Hello and welcome to the Sail Loot Podcast, where we share our adventures of the sea and help to achieve that cruising life that sets us free. I'm Teddy J, and this is podcast episode 54 with John and Tori from SailMeOm.com, part two. sure where to start this episode other than by saying thank you especially especially to john and tori uh, thank you all for listening as well but john and tori man you guys have stepped up in the last week i said in a facebook post that i was a little bit scared for you guys at first being in the it being in Puerto Rico and being very close to where Irma was going to pass by. But it ended up that you guys had a plan. You went up into the mangroves, you made it work, and you came away relatively unscathed as far as I know. Scallywag is still afloat. She's still your floating home and everything else. And now I am so glad somehow, some way... Like, you two are the perfect people to be where you are, doing what you're doing, helping, coordinating all of this right now. Uh, So John and Tori have set up sailorshelping.org. The reason why they're the perfect people, it's kind of funny. I was talking to Brittany today, Brittany from Wind Traveler, and she said, "I, I, I don't... Holy, holy crap, these people are amazing. I have no idea who these people are. And I, I just stopped her quickly and I said, Brittany, these are the perfect people to do what exactly what they're doing. So, I mean, in setting up the Tiziano Project, they, John and Tori, have kind of done this type of thing before. They, the Tiziano Project was their not-for-profit that they both chaired together and they basically went in to conflict, post-conflict, and under-reported regions with the equipment, training, and affiliations necessary to report their stories and improve their lives. And I think that right now that is exactly what the Caribbean islands need is being able to report their stories, to get that story out there. Because the, the big news... The big news agencies aren't down there. They're not down there reporting on this all the time and everything else. Um, it, and it sometimes gets forgotten about the fact that, first of all, the USVI is part of the United States. And second of all, that we have so many citizens in all of those islands that need help in traumatized areas uh, after a natural disaster like this. And I'm going to focus this intro a little bit on those areas due to the fact that I I understand 
um, you, you know, following going through the Virgin Islands, Irma went through Turks and Caicos and Cuba and then up to Florida. But I'm going to focus a little bit more on St. Martin and the Caribbean, basically. St. Martin, the Virgin Islands, Turks and Caicos and, and Cuba in this because in this intro because i've witnessed firsthand the infrastructure that the united states in and of that the contiguous states has right i mean yes i understand the florida keys are pretty damn devastated irma that bitch irma there's lots of devastation that has gone on in the last week and has made me shed tears several times. The good thing about all of this is that the people that I know are safe for the most part. Um, there have been very few people's lives taken. There have actually been very few injuries that I know of. I'm also going to focus more on those Caribbean islands. So with that infrastructure, I mean, I've seen reports that Florida already, you know, it's the day after, two days after, and within a few hours, there are power trucks and utility trucks lined up sitting in a field that is full of these utility trucks, and they are ready to go whenever the authorities say that the roads are good enough for them to get in there and to restore power and to get water to people and everything else. So the infrastructure is there for the United States, not only for people to leave when the hurricane is coming, not only for people to go north but also for people to get back in. My cousin lives in South Florida. She was, the, the hurricane ripped through there on Sunday. She was headed back from my parents' house in Tennessee on, on Monday. So I'm recording this on Tuesday. She was headed back to Florida because she was allowed to go back to her house to check out her house, which was left perfectly fine because of the way it was built and everything else. But she was allowed to go back there and check it out the next day. This is why I'm focusing on the islands of the Caribbean. It's because they need the exposure. They need to know that devastation ripped through there. And people need to understand that there are U.S. lives there, that there are people that need to get out, that there are people that need help. For the most part, I, I believe the communities are coming together, but there is also looting going on. The the jail the prison in tortola was completely knocked over and all of the prisoners were allowed to escape there are some people holding some holding others at gunpoint in order to get go to the cost you less on tortola in order um sorry on saint thomas and looting in order to get food and supplies and things this needs to stop and aid needs to be given to these people and there are ways to do it thanks to a, a lot of thanks to the sailing community. And really, John and Tori have done so much to set up sailorshelping.org, to set up the Sailors Helping Facebook page, to coordinate trucks and, of, of supplies. I, I mean, when I say pallet, to, to set up boatloads of supplies to go from Puerto Rico into the Virgin Islands 
to help evacuate people in need of evacuation for medical reasons and to help so much sailorshelping.org has already helped so much and it's only been up a week and it's all due to john and tori's efforts with all of this and it is amazing they're not the only ones that are helping Scott and Brittany of Wind Traveler have a You Caring um, compassionate crowdfunding uh, page up there that I will share the link to in the show notes. Of course, there are other ways that Scott and Brittany are helping. You know, they lost their boat. They lost their home. They lost their charter boats. They lost their business boats. They lost everything in hurricane arma and what at what did scott immediately do of, of course Brittany's taking care of the kids and they were safe in chicago during all this but they're torn up and Brittany is doing everything that she can to raise money and get money and get awareness out there about what the heck is going on and scott scott flew into puerto rico before jose passed by and as soon as jose passed by he was out there helping sail sailorshelping.org get these boats ready take these boats to where they needed to go and and got got his boots on the ground and is there getting dirty helping um big thanks to peter and jody of where the coconuts grow.com peter stayed jody was able to get brig out um and get home to the states peter stayed behind uh with their dog and was there afterwards with um, Scott and Brittany's satellite phone going around, getting dinghies, finding a dinghy to use in order to go and make sure that people are safe, people are okay, and allowing them to use a satellite phone to make communication with loved ones at home. Thank you guys so much. That is the crazy good story about this so many heroes, so many people coming together, so many people coming together to help others out. Um, the sailing community amazes me all the time. Amazes me all the time. And so there are several places that you can go to help, that you can go to donate. At Sailors Helping, you can. There are several ways to help. You can donate your boat in order to bring goods and supplies to where they need to be brought. You and you know, there's tons of information over there on the Facebook page and on the website. I am personally trying my best to get out of here sooner than I was going to get out of here to go south sooner than I was going to go south. Um, I've been in touch with the sailing Luna Sea people who are, their boat Luna Sea is in Savannah right now. They were planning on heading to the Caribbean this year. Anyway, what they're doing is heading out as soon as they can on November 1st and heading straight down to, you know, Puerto Rico with supplies and then to help, to help rebuild because we need to rebuild. Because that place is amazing. We need to rebuild, and then we need to go, and then we need to go as tourists and spend money there. Please, if you can help, go over to some of these websites and do what you can to help in any way you can. Every little bit helps. Asante is doing fine, as I said. 
I may head down there earlier. So that is the good news. There, there, there is some good news out of all of this. Some people's boats survive. Um, as much surge as there was in, in tidal surge and storm surge as there was in Shelter Cove Marina and Hilton Head Island, Asante is doing just fine. Shelter Cove Marina had two feet left on the pilings, even though the water was spilling over into the land and some of the surrounding stores and condos. Uh, the flooding was going on. Shelter Cove's marina, the boats, and the docks pretty much all survived and did just fine. Thank you, Shelter Cove Marina, for surviving yet another storm. After surviving Matthew last year, survived Irma this year. I have to talk about my sponsors for a second and basically say that Mantis Marine is one of the, and their anchors, is one of the only reasons why Jody and Peter's boat is still afloat. It's it's severely damaged, but it's still there and still afloat. And Mantis Marine was awesome through all this. Harvey had just came through and hit Houston. Where's Mantis Marine located? Where where are they based? They're based in Houston. But what did they do when Irma started coming through and they knew it was coming up through Florida? They offered 50% off and free shipping of all of their anchors and all of their ground tackle for those people that were in the path. And they got, if somebody ordered ground tackle from them, they got it there. I cannot say enough about the sailing community. I cannot say enough about John and Tori. But I think it's time for me to shut up and say one more time, please. If you feel like helping, check out the show notes. All the links will be over there. Peace and love. Stay safe. In the spirit of keeping things vague, I, I kind of describe us in a way that both says everything and nothing at the same time. We um, we help brands and organizations to connect with their audiences and key demographics in both the digital and physical space. Um, so we're happy, yeah. So and, and yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, we literally can do. We literally think about it in a way that we can do anything because we, what the the genesis of ABG was was that I was working in a very traditional PR agency, and I was seeing that the agency model is extremely siloed in traditional agencies. So you've got your PR teams, you've got your digital teams, you've got whatever. And in general, never the two shall mix or one of the teams becomes basically a client of the other team as opposed to working together. And so it's a really weird, like, structure that's grown up in agency life that just isn't really cohesive in the way that brands should think about their communication in 2017. Right, yeah. What I did with my partners is we came together because we were the perfect mix of I I historically have done um, digital communication and strategy and um, platform build as well as the actual business operations of building companies. My other partner, Kate, has always worked in the media relations audience development sector. And then our third partner, Franz, does large branded activations for, for major brands. 
Um, so we came together to create a company that really brings on a client and thinks about them holistically in terms of all of the things we can do to get them the reach that they're looking for. And so we've done things like with um, MIT Technology Review, we've worked with them to actually develop video offerings and help them um, distribute their content in social media in new ways than what they were doing, but we've also worked with them. We threw a 50-person dinner party for them at CES in Las Vegas out in the middle of the desert. Like, literally, we set up a tent in the middle of the desert, brought in a celebrity chef, and trucked people off of the strip to come out to this 50-person exclusive dinner party. Um, We're also, like, working with downtown Los Angeles to develop um, a targeted marketing campaign for 2017 to help fill space in kind of the office, residential, and retail sectors of what's being built in this kind of downtown Los Angeles renaissance that's happening right now. So we really come on and work with the client to think about what their problems are, what assets they have, and what's working and what isn't about what they're already doing. And then we help them both to develop the strategies to do what they, to achieve their goals, and then help with the actual execution if they don't have the team or resources to do it. Gotcha. And, but, I mean, it sounds like what you take it and, like, yeah, like you said, it's not like one, one, you know, team is working, you know, for or another team or anything like that. You're all working together in order to do all of that stuff. Uh, yeah, and, and we're, we're still a relatively small team. We have, um, you know, it's me and my two partners, and then we have about, uh, about nine people in various capacities from full-time to 10 hours a week, depending on the, the needs of the projects or clients that we bring people on for. Right. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, it sounds like but you work it in a way that's like, hey, it's not, hey, can you do this for me? It's like, hey, can you do this with me, right? Because this day and age, you need both, you, you need all aspects of it to kind of come together in order for the strategy to work in a way, right? So, okay, so how, uh, like, how the heck did you go about finding customers um, it's been kind of a mix. I mean, a, a large part of um, kind of how we came together as partners and the roles that we brought to the team is, like, my my real strength for growing ABG is the business side of things and growing the organization and business structure, um, mm-hmm. whereas Kate, my partner, she's a a business development machine. She knows everyone. She always she's always on the list for our SPs. Um, so a lot of our leads will come in through her. Um, but I would say probably about I'd say probably about seventy percent of our work has come through Kate, and then um, a good like twenty percent or so has come just through my network and community as they know that uh, I'm back to working on my own again. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. one thing that. For both of us, is that it's kind of weird that we've worked remotely this long and have this much business from our network. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's one of the things that um, is a falsehood of cruising of like you leave everyone behind. Like we've tried really hard to make it feel like we're ever present, even if we're never in the same city. Yeah, I, 
I think the, the one thing that would be really helpful to go over if, if you want us to talk about it a little bit is, is just talking about connectivity and how we stay connected with our teams and everything in, in a remote environment. So how do you stay connected uh, while on the boat? We At this point, we have AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, Verizon, <laughs> BTC Hotspot for the Bahamas, and Iridium Ghost Fast Phone, a long-range Wi-Fi booster, and a long-range cell booster on the boat. Internet is definitely our largest expense. Yeah, I mean, we, we spend about probably 500 to $600 a month just on all of our data plans. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And so, wait, so you, have, you, have, you, have every major cell, you have every major cell service, like mobile service on that boat. Of some sort. Yeah, and I would I would say if you're if you're needing one Verizon the Verizon Jetpack domestically, domestically has been amazing for us. Yeah. Okay. But, so how did, say, how did before we get to like the technical part, I think the, the rule to follow is is only take business that matches the kind of connectivity you can guarantee on your boat. Because I had to turn away business that I knew was primarily video-based or needed high amounts of, like, uploading and downloading, for example, because that's so expensive that it would be cost-prohibitive to me. Um, I also turned away business that I knew that I would have to be connected to, like, video chats all the time, for example. Right. Um, And so once we structured businesses that allowed us to basically work primarily through email or phone, and Slack. And Slack. Slack is key. Um, then we were okay. So that's, like, the first thing that I would say. Like, I had to think really hard because most of my remote management has been through video conference management, which I find to actually be way more effective when you have way bigger teams. But I had to restructure the way that I worked to, to be able to accommodate that. And then, and then it was a matter of trying to figure out in the places that we were going where – who provided what kind of connection. And Verizon is the only one that actually covers coast-to-coast, the actual coasts instead of highways, Um, which we learned the hard way when we went to Maine. (laughs) And there was literally no cell phone service. (laughs) Maine was a lot harder than the Bahamas to get work done. (laughs) We've also, like, because we are working full-time and because we do have an income coming in that is dependent on us having solid internet, we've been a lot more flexible and open to staying at a dock for a week as opposed to in a harbor, you know, as opposed to right. harbor, you know. Um, but it's a cost of doing business at that point where it's just like it, we have so many meetings this week, it's worth it just to pay for the dock to have internet, you know. Sure. Can you guys... We also- Random accounting question. Can you write off can you write off the dock? As in can you write off the dock at sea? Yeah, so it's, I mean it's it's, it's a gray area. Um, <laughs> yeah, our, our, my CPA has said solidly that if we're staying at a marina because we need Wi Fi to do work, that is a valid business expense. Okay. Uh cool. All right. All right. What what were you gonna we're, say? We're very we're very careful not to write off like we needed an oil change, or like, <laughs> and that's definitely business because we need the rig to be up. <laughs> we um, well, I mean, I mean, if the rig's not up, 
some of your antennas might not be up, and you might not be able to I, do business. Once I, get, so. once I get the SSD installed, then, then maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so, all right. Yeah, so, other, like, the one other thing about connectivity that I think is really important is John and I have coordinated the days that we are doing phone calls all day with each other so that we have two days a week that are pretty much solidly blocked with calls. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the days, we can either get work done or go do fun things. I mean, obviously, we work more than two days a week sometimes, but <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the time. Most yeah. of the time. It depends on the week. My partners are going to kill me if you say that I don't work more than two <laughs> days a week. But I would say, like, we work 30 I work oh, 30 and 50 hours a week. Yeah, I'm at the same point now. So it's like, you know, we, we work pretty solidly, but I think the time um, time blocking management skills are really important both to manage our time and sailing as well as Internet. Yeah, and the counter to what Tori was saying about, like, that we'll block off two days and make it so that we try to schedule all of our important client calls for those two days my team especially, like, we have, you know, nine people that I need to be communicating with fairly regularly, but there needs to be, like, ideally in a situation like this, there's enough flexibility to be able to say in the morning, hey, there's a really good weather window, I'm crossing to the Bahamas today, sorry, <laughs> you know, and right. I, I definitely pulled back hard last week, where I was just like, at, you know, five o'clock at night, I was like, hey, you know, the weather window shifted, we're leaving tonight, I'm going to try to connect in the morning when we get to the Bahamas, but I'm not sure about internet, I might be offline for two days. Yeah. And, and that actually goes back to the, like, choose what work allows you to do that, because I could have very easily taken a whole bunch of contracts with breaking news organizations, and that would not work. Like, that, right. you just can't be disconnected in that way, because who knows what's going to happen in that time period. So, again, like, depending on the type, the type of work that you're doing, like you have to know where your time limits are. And some of the things that we do might not work for you. And I think that like one thing that Lori mentioned before that like the people that work for her are like some of the best in the industry and can work very autonomously. It's right. the same thing, you know, at KBG is we have, you know, some really great project managers. I have two partners. So like, you know, we can cover each other when we need to. And so like just, you know, like any of my colleagues wanting to take a vacation and we step in, sure. I have that kind of redundancy when I need it. Well, right, and, and that's and that's kind of what I was about to say is everybody takes a vacation every now and again. Uh, the interesting thing about some of yours is the fact that, like, you you might be sitting there saying, "All right, I can work. I I don't know when I'm taking vacation, right?" But my two-day vacation might be any time in the next five days because it looks like we might have a weather window to go from Florida to the Bahamas, let's say. And so, you know, that is kind of the issue is you got to kind of tell them, hey, I might take a day off, but um, I don't know when that day off is going to be is the issue. And it might be be last night. Part of it also was like, living this kind of lifestyle is the flexibility needs to go both ways. So like sure. if you're asking, you know, your company and your teammates and everything to be flexible with your time to be able to take it off when you need it, 
I, you know, Tori and I are working seven days a week to some extent. Like, we work right. every single day and, you know, are often working at, you know, 9 to midnight, exactly. 1 a.m. to do stuff. So we don't work 9 to 5, but we work a 30 to 50 hours a week, yeah. so no matter what. You know? right. And I mean, like, some people are like, oh, that sounds like it sucks. But, like, going back to your friend, she's a consultant, and it's like, I can do the same thing. Like, yeah, we work, like, real full-time hours, but we do it from awesome places, you know? Right, yeah. With John, while he was away, I was sitting in a coffee shop here, a liquor store slash coffee shop. <laughs> I've been going there every morning because I have pretty good internet and good food. And this guy keeps saying to me, like, get off your computer. Like, go enjoy, like, the weather. And I'm like, I will, but, like, this is how I pay for it, you know? So, like, right. you have to give yourself a little give and take, too, and, like, set that expectation for yourself that you're not going to be able to go to every deserted island or be able to, like, go play hooky all the time. Like, still, you still have a job. And that was a really hard thing for us to adjust to, actually, because when we started cruising full-time, we were like, oh, we want to see this, and we want to see this, and we want to see this, and all the other cruisers who are, like, not working necessarily and taking the time off are going to all of the hot cruiser destinations. And we tried to do it at the beginning and we just got so yeah, overwhelmed that we were just kind of hating life because <laughs> we were either working or moving the boat and we never had time to actually enjoy any of the spots we were in. Right. Finally, like, by the time we started coming south, we were just like, let's just get to somewhere in the Bahamas and then just stay there for two weeks. Yeah. So we're in Green Turtle Key. We'll probably be here for like two weeks. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, so a few things came up. Yeah, I was about to say about, like, you guys say that, you know, or you made the comment of working two days. I was going to say something like, yeah, but you could work a good 20 hours in a day. Oh, yeah. As, as, in, as in if you, you know, maybe it's only 14 or 16 or whatever else. But, I, I mean, if you scheduled it right and you scheduled all of your calls and – you know, you scheduled your call with L.A. to be at your you know, 2 in the afternoon or something like that, and you started, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? Or or maybe your call with L.A. would be at your 7 in the afternoon, you know, 7 in the evening, yeah. because that's still, what, 3 or 4 in the afternoon for them or something like that. You know, like, so, I, I mean, there are ways for you to schedule it so that those two days... uh Sorry, I'm just making sure that all of your partners and everything understand that you can put in super long days and still get like 40 <laughs> hours worth of 40 to 50 hours worth of work out of two days worth. But, no, anyway, um, I, I think it also like this is not for the organizational faint of heart. Like you right. can be really on your, you know what, to be able to pull this off. Like both of us are very organized. Um, and if you're like a last minute deadline person, like this is not going to work for you. Like that's, I told many potential cruisers that because you have to do, you have to be the kind of person who gets as much as you can done as soon as you can get it done so that you can take the weather window or the awesome activity later because you finished it. Yeah. Already. I can't procrastinate. Yeah. Right. Which is hard. Like that's sort of a mentally hard place to be in permanently, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's hard also, too, because, like, I mean, definitely when you talk to, to I guess, quote-unquote normal cruisers, like, there's mm-hmm. always the work that they're doing when not sailing around is the work on the boat. 
Yeah. And right. so we tend to have a little bit of the boat work kind of lapsed at this point because we're so focused on other work. Or like we're stripping varnish during conference calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way to do it. Um, or like, we, you know, we do it as soon as something critical breaks. Yeah. And then we're like, all right, it's time to fix that boat. Which I guess is fine, like, because you can really, like, lose your whole life to fixing your boat yeah. if you really had just that to focus on. I think we've had to get used to that, too. And I think that's one of the one of the biggest pieces of advice that we have for most cruisers is don't spend all your time just prepping the boat. Just go. Right. Just yeah. go and figure it out and, like, figure out what you need. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we thought we needed that we didn't or that, you know, we haven't thought and haven't used. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's uh, that's what I've been. Uh, that, that's that's a very good point. I, I've, so I've been talking uh, to um, Pam Wall a lot about. Uh, she has been helping me basically in my boat search and helping me um, with all all of them. You know, she's got contacts everywhere and all that other stuff. And I have been talking to her about you know. Types of boats, what I'm, what I'm looking to do, all, all that other stuff, and she basically uh, has said the same thing, which is get what you need first, mm-hmm. and, and figure out after that what you actually want. As in, like, like you just said, you've got a whole bunch of stuff that maybe you haven't used yet, and maybe it's because it wasn't something that you needed. But you, you thought you wanted, you, you thought you were, you did, you would, or you thought you would want it. But in the end, maybe you don't want it because you don't actually need it, right? Uh, One thing that I would say too, as like, I mean, I would like to make it very clear that I absolutely love living on a boat, but I am by no means a camper. Five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like being dirty. We've gone glamping one. Yeah, we've gone glamping, but, like, I'm not, like, a particularly outdoorsy person. And so when we were looking for a boat originally, like, Scallywag was not our first choice. I wanted more space on the boat. Like, we had a lot of, like, sort of arbitrary ideas of what we wanted in those two weeks before we bought Scallywag. But when we got her, we knew nothing about boats. So what we didn't realize when we got her was how simple her systems were. Everything was built to be a extremely simple liveaboard boat by the owner before the last one who cruised up and down the west coast of California to Mexico. And so it was all foot pumps, no hot water. But um, he was, like, off the grid. Yeah, he was super off the grid. So, like, a very... Yeah, the boat was very well equipped, but for, like, the lowest denominator of getting essentials done while cruising. And, like, the first thing we had to do was, like, put more electrical outlets on the boat and make sure that the electrical system works on the boat. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing, like, when we got the boat, not really understanding anything, the the AC power, on the shore power on the boat was essentially just an orange electrical cord that we would plug into the pedestal and it would run into a power strip. And it was, like, you know, the most unsafe, things who are like living on the boat with like multiple computers and a TV and everything else you know so that was actually the first thing that I that I learned we got the boat and immediately realized we needed a pretty big electrical overhaul we got a quote for it and it was going to be ten thousand dollars and we were like 
we don't have ten thousand dollars. We just bought a boat, <laughs> and so yeah. I got a twenty dollar book on marine electrical, and I rewired the boat entirely myself, and have since done it two more times because <laughs> I keep but learning about what I did wrong the first time and the second time. <laughs> but, but I think the, the benefit of that was like by the time we started equipping for cruising, like I was like, hey, I really like pumps you know, things. Right. They a lot of water. And, like, there were just a lot of things that I think living on the boat for a while made me realize, John, too, the necessities that you think you need aren't the necessities that you actually want while creating. I would also, I would also say right. that is, do, you know, don't spend all your life trying to, like, build the proper boat before you even take off. But, like, do do the work yourself. Because mm-hmm. just as we started essentially cruising again after the holidays <laughs> when we came back, when we came to the Bahamas from Florida, our USB outlet blew, so I had to replace that. Luckily, had a spare. Our propane system wiring um, got ripped out by, like, uh, just jamming some stuff into a closet, into a locker. <laughs> so I had to rewire the propane system. I had to rewire our spreaders and... Um, one other light thing that we had kind of screwed up. So it's like, because I had done all that work before and set it up, I knew how to do it, and it wasn't a problem. But right. had I knew how to do it, and we no longer had USB outlets when we were at Anchor, like, we would have been completely screwed with having an Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, uh, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, seeding affiliate links, like, 
I would never make the same amount of money as I make with my business. And so there's a lot of like moments where we'll be like, all right, is this worth our time to do this financially for either the experience or the return on investment? Or is it better to hire someone else to do it? And so we've definitely had moments. For example, we have a lot of woodwork that needs to be repaired or improved upon that we absolutely hired out for someone who was better at it than we were, who was pretty cheap, you know, and like that made total sense to us. We can never trust a yard to do things because they will always overcharge us. So in that case, we're like, we're going to do it ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes the... Uh... That makes a lot of sense. And, and I mean, you going back to like the affiliate link, I don't want to discourage people from having multiple streams of income because oh, that's, yeah. that's a good thing to no, do, right? I, so like, go ahead and, and, and like, like but, can spend, um, you know, their entire lives, like trying right. to like people buy things on Amazon. And when you get, you know, 25 cents a interaction, like you're not going to make the same as when you're getting paid $200 
and they basically map out their business plan, and it's step one, collect underpants. Steal underpants. Steal underpants. Step three, profit. We bring that up a lot because it feels like people's plans a lot of the time, where they're like, we're going to put out videos, and then we're going to make a million dollars. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? It, and at the same time, I don't want to discourage people from doing that because you never know, right? So, yeah. I mean, I I sit here and I'm, but I'm I'm realistic about it, right? So I sit here and I'm like, I, I asked somebody on Facebook the other day, like I was messaging back and forth with them, and, and you know, he he said something about going on a podcast tour or whatever, getting a boat and taking off, and I was like, so. Should I, should, should I put, I don't, well, I don't know, should I put Salute on Patreon? And he was like, why not? You know, he was like, sure. You know, if, if people want to do it, if people want to tip or something like that, give them an opportunity to tip. But you've got to be very, like, I'm, I'm very realistic about the fact that, like, I could do that. But I'm not sitting here thinking that, like, it's right. going to make me $5,000 an episode or anything like that. If it does, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? But I am not by any means thinking that I will get well, much, I mean, if anything. You know what I mean? Like for somebody to sign up for like Patreon. The other thing what? about sales versus like some of the like random videos that cruisers put up is like, I found, at least in my professional work, anything with utility, people will pay for more often than they'll pay for something for entertainment, which is why, like, online courses generally make more money than people's blogs, right? Right. So, like, Sailloot has very clear utility to a very specific audience, which is one of the reasons why I mentioned, like, I do reference you guys all the time because you're able to, like, explain through storytelling and interviews a lot of different ways that you can do something that people are trying to figure out, right? That's mm-hmm. really different from being like, hey, we, like, took a trip to the Hamptons, and this is what it looked like, and, like, oh, no, our dinghy broke down, and, like, again, and now we're going to drink some wine. You know, like, it just, there's, there's just a real difference in, like, the, the utility there, and I think that there's a lot of people who have made very useful website that they can make money off of because people return to them again and again, you know, for that right. purpose. And it's yeah. just as fun or entertaining, but like, I don't know. I mean, Don and I have jokes, like, you know, people, I'm sure you hear this too, of like, you're on a boat, so people are like, oh, you should have a TV show. That would be so fun. And Don and I are like, our TV show would be so boring. <laughs> we just sit <laughs> and we like sail to places and then we hang out in those places, talk to some folks, like, there's, like, nothing crazy about our lives, and we're, like, very honest about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people are inherently, like, fun and interesting, you know? Like, right. I don't know. Like, we've seen, we have a lot of funny stories, but, like, I don't, like, we're, we're now. I think we're, like, on-camera personalities. I mean, I think we're, like, funny, but we're not <laughs> doing each other. We make each other laugh. I, I think you guys are funny. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Well, but I—that's—that's that's the thing. And so, but don't get my hopes up. By the way, uh, you know, like don't 
don't sit there and tell me that sale loot is great and is a utility and people might pay for it. And then, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I, I would not I do that. I would, I would, utility tend to right. tend to be much more lucrative than things that do not have utility. Right. No, that that's very true. But anyway, like, let's get to the technical detail. We've been talking for a while, and I could talk to you guys forever. Uh, let's get to the technical <laughs> really go over the technical details of how the heck you guys do stay connected. Do you have any more technical details about how you do that? Well, so we both have, I mean, just starting from kind of the base level, we both have current cell phones that are unlimited data plans. So that's mm-hmm. like our first go-to if we um, if they have enough connection. Um, it depends on where you are. Like Maine, Maine was absolutely ridiculous. We couldn't use Sprint in Maine at all, but for some reason in the Bahamas, to connect to the BTC network just fine. Um, then we have several different hotspot capabilities for tethering to our laptop or iPad or whatever device needs tethering. So we have Verizon Jetpack. We have a Google Fi phone um, that's $10 per gigabyte. Um, and then we have an Iridium Go hotspot, which is really just for um, just for backup satellite phones. We just got that. I think yeah. they were, like, super convinced by it, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, it saved my ass once on a, for a conference call, but, like, it's you know, it's a little bit of a delay in, like, talk in, in actually relaying, um, so it's kind of annoying. But it's, it's you know, the last-ditch effort. But then the, the two things that are really helpful to us technically, we got um, the for Wi-Fi, uh, for, as a Wi-Fi antenna booster, we went through Island Time PC and got the Groove uh, Wi-Fi extender. And that's great if you pick up, you know, Wi-Fi network from, like, a mile away. So if we're in a harbor and we have, you know, an open network or we have a password for a network, like, we're good to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's actually amazingly useful and um, works incredibly well is our just cell phone antenna booster, which we use, um, yeah, the Wilson amplifier. Um, and that'll take, if there's, there has to be some level of connection. But it'll, it can take a, you know, one bar, one X connection and boost it to four bars of LTE. It's crazy. It works. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I don't leave the boat because I can't get really good reception unless I'm on it. And then I'll be walking through town and I'll be like, what's wrong with my phone? Yeah. But it's just because our, our booster is so tight. <laughs> Well, I mean, and that makes complete sense as to why, you know, like you were saying earlier, you had to make sure that um, you weren't in some place that you needed lots of bandwidth to, you know, do uh, video calls and all that stuff, right? So it seems like you got the whole communication with cellular and making phone call stuff pretty, and pretty the, well. Yeah, so, and the one other device that I left off there is I have um, an AT&T iPad it's also a backup. So if I can't connect anything for some reason with my laptop or if our laptops are dead and we don't want to, you know, turn on the inverter, I can work from a from an iPad that's connected to the Internet as well. That being said, I will say that if you're planning on cruising primarily on the East Coast, we've had incredibly good 
reception basically from New York all the way up to what, like mid Massachusetts mm-hmm. without having to struggle at all, and then all the way down through Florida. Like we really haven't had that many issues with we internet. We skipped over most of the Carolinas and Georgia though. Uh, oh, there's some stickiness there. Yeah, our boat drops was too deep. Yeah, <laughs> we. Well, there's, like, I mean, the ICW over like done with it. <laughs> Like, I mean, I, we can also speak a little bit to tips about, like, software and services. Like, just like, you know, what Tori was saying earlier about, like, if you can pay somebody a cheaper hourly rate than you can make, like, you should consider paying them for the services instead of trying to do it yourself. It's the same with software. Like, I don't even hesitate anymore if there's, like, a piece of software oh, that's yeah. $30 to $100 a month that's going to make my workflow easier. I, can, I will give you Go some of my favorites because I'm like a software nut. Yes. So okay. the, first one, the first two that I'm obsessed with right now are um, a calendar software called Calendly and another plugin that works with Inbox for Gmail, which if you're not on Inbox, you're an insane person or you're my husband. I don't use it. Um, <laughs> but Inbox is really great for just like better management of emails. It's the first time I've actually been happy with an email management service. But there's a plugin for Inbox called Mixmax. Both Calendly and Mixmax allow you to customize and automatically allow people to book times to talk with you that you customize the times that work for you. So like as a person who's running a business, my biggest issue is like the back and forth between like this time works for me, how about this time, do 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 do. So like it A allows you to to time block so that you're using your best possible time for your sailing schedule. But B, like if I didn't have those, I would have had to hire a personal assistant a long time ago just to manage the back and forth. And mm-hmm. this is super self-service. People just pick the time that works for them. They can reschedule directly, which is so great. And, like, it saves so much time. So I would 100% recommend those things for me. And then, like, in terms of, of business operations, which is what I tend to focus a lot on with my company, like, you have to kind of, if you're going to start anything that you're going to be doing with income, like, you have to do it as a grown-up from, the, from day one. Mm-hmm. And so, like, fresh books accounting is way better than QuickBooks. Oh, like, I have had, like, the worst experiences of my life with customer service with them. Mm-hmm. So I hand recommend FreshBooks. Um, the payroll and processing, once you start having, like, employees, there are a lot of, like, new startup services that make it super easy and affordable. I use a, a service called Gusto, and mm-hmm. it makes it really easy to pay everyone. The other thing that I, uh, I'll do one more shout out for a service <laughs> and just anyone who's listening, they're not getting paid by these services. We do not love these But having a bank that is like, that has a personal banker that you can email and can take care of stuff is amazing. So oh. we have a bank that we absolutely love called First Republic and, oh. you know, it definitely has wealthy clients. We are not one of the wealthy clients in that level. But anyone who is their client gets a personal banker who knows you personally, and you can email them, call them, and they can do whatever you need. So having the ability to just email a banker who knows us and trusts us and be like, I need you to wire transfer money to this employee. Or like, just so under, helpful. especially gotcha. because we've 
so much time traveling to weird places. Mm-hmm. Like, we, the way we came to First Republic is because we were literally shut off by other banks who, like, didn't understand why we were in Iraq or the West Bank and, like, froze our accounts. And so, <laughs> to have, <laughs> it was awful. But to have someone and a bank that's able to customize solutions for you instead of just being like, this is how our system works. Like, if you're planning on traveling regularly and internationally, like, I can't stress how important that is. Yeah. Because, you know, we we both had different versions of every major bank, um, almost every major bank. Kind of, kind of read of all of them. Yeah, they're yeah. just nightmares because, like, you always get stuck in their, like, screening systems that cut you off when you really need money. And so mm-hmm. that was a huge, a huge bonus for us. And then I'd say the only other tool that we haven't mentioned yet is Slack, which for communication with remote teams is, like, an absolute necessity for us. It's, essentially a tool that somewhat replaces email but allows you to have threaded conversations with your team. Um, and when you're working remotely, especially from a boat, how, what that really helps with is being able to go back into a channel about a client or a work stream and read, really quickly scan and catch up on you know, a day's worth of conversation about the client. Yeah. Um, so it just helps with organization and cutting down email. I would actually add one more thing. Going back to Mixmax, Mixmax isn't the only one that solves for this, but um, similar to Slack and, like, working asynchronously, which is, you know, doing your job but not at the same time as other people are doing their job. Like, you really have to think strategically about how you build a company that allows you to do that. One of my favorite tools, which used to be integrated through reportive in Gmail. You can still pay for it for traditional Gmail, but Mixmax does it for inbox because reportive hasn't built the extension yet. Um, is being able to schedule and smooth emails. So like I'll often get like finish things a couple of days ahead of time and then send it two days later when I know I'm gonna be offline to make it right. look like I'm still working. But also, like, if I have contractors working for me and I know that they're on deadline and I'm going to be offline, I'll pre-schedule check-in emails to make sure that they're still working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when I used to manage a really big team, people always said that I was, like, the eye of God on them because even when I was on vacation, I would pre-schedule emails being, like, I'm on vacation, but I know this thing is due on Wednesday. How are you doing on it? And it would totally freak people out, but, like, they would get their <laughs>
lifestyle boundary instead of decisions. Um, and I found, and I'm sure you've had this conversation with a lot of people, of like people are like, "Oh man, I wish I could do that," and I'm always like, "Why don't you?" And well, okay. That they yeah. don't are usually ones that are related to their lifestyle or family, as opposed to the technical boundaries that keep them, you know, rooted in one place. And right. like, John and I are lucky because we met through our love of travel. We're both super techie people, and you know, we don't have any specific demands on our personal lives that require us to stay in one place. But I think that's probably why we haven't heard and seen more people like that. That being said, like, we've met a lot of people who are working toward that goal, and the Internet connectivity is getting a lot better everywhere. So I would imagine that five years from now, you're going to have tens of people like us. Um, right. We're just all on the vanguard of it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right. No, I, I agree. I, and I guess, and that's kind of what I'm saying, where I go with that is, is the fact that, um, you know, I immediately just talked to a lot of cruisers that were like, you'll figure it out. Like, as in, don't worry about, like, my whole thing to begin with was, I think you can do a job remotely from, you know, start your own business, and I think you can do it remotely. You can find a way to find internet access, and you can and you can manage it. You, you can manage it some sort of consulting, some sort of internet business, some sort of whatever from somewhere, right? So that was my like. Of course, I I wanted to find out how other people did it, how people afford it, and everything else. But my theory when I started it was well, that's the way to do it. The way that you guys are doing it basically is that's the way that I can think of to to do it, right? But then I talked to, I believe, like every, almost everybody else that I talked to, basically is like. Save a little bit of money, quit your job, buy a boat, and go, and you'll figure it out, right? Like, get on the boat and go for a little while, and you will find a way to make money somewhere, trust me. And it's not, and it hasn't had to do with anything about necessarily starting a business before you go and managing it, from, you know, remotely. I think that's definitely a direction you can take, but I would say, like, and I think that all of those people have great solutions to how to make money, you know? Right. I think there are yeah. a couple of different things that, like, for us, we have a lot of experience working remotely, so this wasn't enough right. of a change structurally for us that it, like, was a deal breaker or maker in the way that it would be for you, for example, where you're leaving an in, in-person role where you have to be in person to do it. Like, you could do our jobs from anywhere, so why not do it from a boat? Right. So right. that's a big difference, I think, and not everyone has had the luxury of that. I also think that, like, if you... Some people, when they go cruising, want to go cruising in the traditional sense where they hang out on beach and, like, have white wine in the middle of the day, and that would be awesome if we could do that, but, like, that's not what we're doing. And right. wrong with white yeah, no, I would love to drink white wine in the middle of the day, um, right. but that's not what allows us to enable this specific kind of cruiser lifestyle, and a lot of people wouldn't want this, you know, like, a lot of people would be like that, and people have told us, we, we would not be able to do what you're doing, nor would we want to, it's like, 
they just want to cruise to the deserted islands of the lake and they want to chill and they want to explore and like we want to do all those things too but there are very clear compromises you have to make when you structure a business this way so like for us it's worth it because the alternative is spending more money to be in a big city and seeing our friends more often but not getting to do and see a lot of the other things that we'd like to do and see right so like that's Mm -hmm. a compromise but like if you drunk we didn't dream of the cruising lifestyle from the time that we were kids. You know, this is like a whim that we love doing and we're so excited to do it. But like, we don't have expectations that we're trying to fill of like what that looks like. I think that allowed us to sort of be a little bit more surgical in our strategy of like, okay, how do we make money while we're doing this? You know, we don't need need the white wine. (laughs) We just want to travel and have a good time. Yeah, well, and I totally agree with you. And the, and the thing about that is, I also never picture myself like not working or not doing something of value. Well, thing, right. And we're also a little bit younger than the normal demographic for cruisers. Sure. Like we need something to come back to. You know, like it's yeah. not like we're. I don't. I mean, maybe we'll spend the rest of our lives cruising, but I like don't actually think we will. I think we're going to do lots of other things that will be fun and exciting for us. And it doesn't make sense for us to take a break from our careers that we're doing well at and enjoy in order to do something else that we do well at and enjoy. So it made sense for us to make a continuous line in our resume as an income so that we could move on to the next thing when we're ready. If we're like, you know, nearing retirement age or have a solid nest egg that would allow us to just sort of like chill for a while that's a totally different style and strategy around cruising but like then that's what you do that you work towards forever but we're not those people either so I think that's a big trade-off as well. I'd say one of the the naysayer things that people say is like oh I would never have enough connectivity to be able to work like that but like having worked in conflict zones where literally the entire infrastructure of a country is ripped apart but you still have LTE reception like John and I are a little bit more casual about the ability to get reception you just have to be a little bit more strategic about it so also a lot of places that people traditionally consider rustic or developing tend to have some of the best Wi-Fi and LTE because they don't have to run through traditional phone lines. They have like a brand new network fully set yeah, up. That's really what it is. They're Which can, oh, be yeah. a good, can be a good thing for things for you guys or a terrible thing for people that you know, kind of catch 22. Maybe you want to get off grid every once in a while, right? And if you can't, that kind of sucks. If you ever want to run any ideas, I ask. You're welcome to welcome to reach out anytime. Well, thank you very much. I do appreciate that, guy. Thank you guys so much. Um, it was a lot of fun talking to you guys. Have fun uh, in the Bahamas. How much longer are you in the Bahamas for? Uh, as long as we feel like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hurricane season starts in June. That's yeah, the okay. thing we know. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, I mean, are you planning still on making it around to L.A. by June, or are you going to... No, uh, our, our plan right now is to, by June, we'll leave the Bahamas and head over to Cuba and then go to, cross over to, like, the Yucatan and then go down to Belize and probably just hang out in Belize for hurricane season. And okay. Cool. Plans. Yeah, we're going to ride this train until it runs out of gas, I think. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. You, you got, as, as you should. As you should. <laughs> uh, 
you guys so much. Um, all very insightful and uh, great stuff, obviously. I could, I could sit here and talk to you for hours about all this stuff. So um, <laughs> you guys go enjoy a sundown. Or I've got to I've gotta grab a shower and go get a drink myself. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, um, but great, great talking to you guys, Tori and John. And um, oh, I'm sure we will send emails back and forth, and I'll be talking to you guys sometime in the future. Sounds good. Good luck, Sebby. Thank you again so much for listening. The one thing that I'd like to talk about from this episode is where we talk about how you can't think that you're going to create some some sailing videos and put them on YouTube and all of a sudden become famous like SV Delos and La Vagabond. As I said in our conversation, I also don't want to discourage you from trying, but you have to realize that it takes work, time, and improving your filming, editing, and storytelling abilities to make the kind of money that those two are making. Please, please, please realize that the Delos crew had just started putting their videos on Patreon when I first talked to Brian and Karen three years ago on Salute Podcast 1. I had to remind them at the end of the interview to say something about Patreon. It was so new to them. They had been sailing, writing blog posts on their free Google blog page, taking pictures and making videos for five years before that. They still ran completely out of money and had to stop along the way to find ways to continue their adventures. Nothing happens automatically overnight. Now, they put in a lot of hard work. Many of the adventures that they go on are so that they can film and take pictures for us. When I talked to Brady and Yosha in Salute Podcast 18, they had just finished being crew on a mega yacht in order to fill their cruising kitty. They weren't making enough money on Patreon after six months to cruise full, full time. You also have to realize that Riley and Elena were sailing for a full season or two, or I don't know, maybe it was three, making videos, posting them on YouTube, and grinding away at all of the social media markets before they were pulling in enough money on Patreon to fund their full-time cruising goals. They sailed around the Met, sailed across the Atlantic, sailed around the Caribbean, and were flat broke. They were making videos that and releasing them that whole time, but they still were flat broke. They had put they had to put the vagabond on the hard for hurricane season and go back to Australia to try to find work. Both Delos and the vagabond have helped these days. I think there are currently five on board Delos, and they all shoot videos and take pictures and write stories for the Delos blog and help with emails and social media. At least three of them are doing the editing, and Killa Krilla and Killa Kirill, a former member, a former Delos crew who left 19 episodes ago, is still getting editing credits. At this point, I think Kirill may have left Delos about a year ago. That's the challenge that I find difficult to overcome. Single-handing everything. You come to realize that when Brian is down in the engine compartment fixing something, all of a the sudden there is somebody behind 
the camera filming him and asking him about what he's doing. When I'm in the engine compartment of Asante, I've got my headlamp on my head, not my GoPro. I think what Tori and John were trying to say is that it takes work. You have to be good at it. You have to constantly try to improve. It takes time. It takes timing. And it still may not work out for you. I say, do it for yourself and see what happens. If you want to do it, do it for yourself. Don't do it with making thousands of dollars in mind. And don't do it thinking that you're going to make a video and all of a sudden a sailing video and all of a sudden be a YouTube star with 100,000 followers. Do it to record your adventures and show your loved ones at home what you're up to. That's why Brian and Brady started doing it. In fact, that's why they haven't sold out and given creative control away. So do I think that John and Tori might be able to take those 60 hours a week that they put into their businesses and make successful sailing video blog? I think that they're funny and interesting enough that they probably could. But they've also got the marketing knowledge to master it. They've got that part down. And if that's not what they want to spend their time doing, that's fine. They have definitely found their way. They probably found their way and were able to build their business quicker than if they started a sailing vlog. And we heard some amazing tips from them in these last two episodes about how they built their businesses. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode at sailloot.com slash episode 054 for all of the links to the awesome articles, other podcasts, and other sailing blogs that I've referenced in this episode, as well as this episode's sponsors. If you're looking into new ground tackle or any other cool marine and boating gear, head on over to sailloot.com slash mantis to check out all of their awesome products. And certainly what these show notes are most important for in this episode is that so that you can look and have all of the links to all of the ways that you might be able to help in the wake of Hurricane Irma. All of the links that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode will be over there, and you can get all of the information you need to donate money, time, or goods to help people out. To those of you that have lost your boats, your homes, your businesses to Hurricane Irma, I cannot express my sorrow for you enough. I really, really cannot. But it's time to rebuild. And what I'm most thankful for is that if you're listening to this, that means you are safe. And I can hopefully share an anchorage with you sometime very soon. If you have any questions about anything, please feel free to email me at teddyj at sailloop.com. Of course, you can find us at sailloop.com, facebook.com slash sailloop, and on Twitter at sailloop. You can sign up for the Sailloot email rally, leave a review for the podcast, and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, all in one place, over at sailloot.com slash podcast review. Thank you again so much for listening. I hope that all of you can find a way to find your Sailloot to live a life rich in experiences. I hope to meet all of you out on the water. 
fair winds and following seas. And peace and love. <laughs>